Welcome to an exclusive interview with my father, Mark Gollin, who knows more about technology than the rest of my family combined. We will be discussing his experiences in Microsoft in the 90s, back when it was first starting up, and how some of the technology that he worked on is still used in a modern context. All right, uh, my first question to you is, what interested you about the computer scene, and why did you choose to program? Well, this is actually before, almost a full decade before uh, I went to work at Microsoft. So it's the early 1980s in New York City. And I was going to high school, or actually just about to enter high school, just when microcomputers first started to appear. This is before Windows. This is before IBM PCs. Uh, the Apple II had just come out. Uh, and there was a whole bunch of other computers that most people don't even remember today, like TRS-80s and Kremenkos and S-100s. It was very exciting because for 20 years or more, computers had been these giant things in special air-conditioned rooms. You know, people referred to the people who programmed them as the, as the high priests and priestesses of the, of the computer world. But first with mini computers and then with microcomputers, as the computers got smaller, they became available to more and more people. And I was just fascinated with this device that you could make do whatever, if you could figure out how to tell it what to do, it would do exactly what you told it to do. Um, I was lucky enough to go to a high school that uh, had a very uh, early mini computer system and within the time I went to high school, also got some early uh, microcomputers. But I was lucky in that I had the opportunity as early as the eighth grade to start uh, doing some programming on what was called a time-sharing system. We all had terminals. It all went to one computer. Uh, it was all just text. Uh, we wrote programs in BASIC. Uh, but that was my earliest experience uh, in programming. Uh, and I really enjoyed it, and I did what everybody did those days. I copied programs out of magazines or uh, found them, you know, at, at computer stores that I haunted in New York City uh, and typed them in. Um, and, you know, I really enjoyed it, and I got paid doing it. I did the scheduling for my high school. Uh, and so it seemed like, you know, that was really the start of my computer career, which I then continued to work on through college, right up to the time when Microsoft recruited me. So that's, sorry, that's a long answer to how I got interested in, in computers and kind of takes us roughly up to the time uh, that Microsoft recruited me. Absolutely. And what was the environment of Microsoft back when you started during its origins? I didn't really start during its origins. I mean, it actually had started nearly 10 years before uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. I was there f fairly early on once it had moved to the current corporate campus in Redmond. Um, but it was a very different place back then. Um, when I got there, they had all of 10 buildings, um, just the original low buildings on the original campus um, off of 40th and 156th. And uh, that was all there was. You know, I think that at the time I was recruited, they had about 4,000 employees. By the time I started, they had about 7,000. So it really wasn't that big a company back then. Um, and it was, everybody was young, you know, because no one had any experience in computers except for young people. They just hadn't been around long enough. Um, but it was a fun place. And even then, you know, uh, there was a feeling of how big this could all get. Uh, and Microsoft certainly was among the first tech companies to uh, buy up a whole bunch of land and create a campus. 
you know, to create this whole sort of university feeling for uh, where their people would work. Interesting. And uh, what projects did you work on back then? Um, the first project I worked on was Microsoft Project, which was project management software. Um, which sounds like the most boring thing in the entire world, and in some ways it is. If you don't know terms like uh, critical path method scheduling, um, don't really you don't really really haven't missed anything. But it actually taught me, in retrospect, some really important lessons about work. It has nothing to do with Microsoft or technology or programming, but the fascinating thing is that project, despite being perhaps one of the least interesting areas that I ever worked on was one of my most fun working experiences. It was my first experience at Microsoft. Um, the team was all people who were similar in age and temperament. It was the kind of a place where if people were working late and you wanted to get something eat, to eat, you just walked down the hall and collected people. It was, we were just we were just one big kind of happy group and it was sort of easier to be working on something that nobody really felt super passionately about because, you know, that way we didn't get into too many fights. Um, it was a great experience. Um, I then went on uh, to uh, help start the team that created the product uh, known as Outlook. Um, if uh, Some of the parents out there probably are more than familiar uh, with the uh, program that at that time was looked at as a competitor to personal information managers, but eventually became the email behemoth to rule them all. Um, I, interestingly, I worked on that uh, project for more than three years without version one of Outlook ever uh, shipping. And I did a tremendous amount of work on it, but I actually switched to another product before it finally came out after almost four years of development work. Um, and the final project in my first go-around at Microsoft um, was I helped uh, create the team that created Expedia, uh, the travel site, um, which actually has kind of a funny story that's, uh, that's uh, happened sometimes in technology. Expedia wasn't supposed to sell airline tickets. The original product was supposed to be uh, a CD-ROM kind of, of travel information, kind of like folders on a CD-ROM. I don't know if people, uh, younger people might not uh, know, but there was back then there was these kind of encyclopedia-like things that you could get on CD-ROMs. This is before Google. This is before the explosion of the internet. The internet was sort of around, um, but it basically, you know, you could think of it like it was supposed to be a big, uh, you know, travel information about places all over the world that you might want to travel to. But the internet was kind of getting started around then. And one of the managers was like, well, we have to do some internet features so we should check into flight schedules so people can know when flights are landing at their neighboring airport. Um, and so a couple of uh, guys and I, Jeff Olson and one or two other people started working on this demo. And one of the things that we figured out was the moment we got far enough into it to actually get up-to-date and accurate flight information, we realized that the very self-same systems could be used to sell airline tickets. And we were like, well, what would be even better than you know getting flight information, actually buying tickets so you could go to some of the places that you could see uh, you know, on these, on these CD-ROMs? Anyway, this led to a demo because we had to prove that, that you know, these days, believe it or not, at the beginning of the internet, people thought that it was not possible to do 
a transaction as complicated as purchasing an airline ticket online. This was the very early days of the internet. And it seems unthinkable that people would think that there was anything you couldn't do on the internet. But back then, you know, we had to do, we worked for almost a month on this demo to basically put together the whole purchase flow so that you could mock buy tickets. Uh, and once we uh, completed that and showed it off, we were given permission to go ahead and start. And the fascinating thing is that's what began the transition because at first it was still had all of this content about travel and, you know, actually had quite a bit of it at the time that Expedia first shipped to the public. But over time, it's become the company that people, you know, know about and see TV commercials for that's basically pretty much a travel agency. As a matter of fact, it spun off from Microsoft about three or four years after I left the group. Uh, and many people don't even remember that Expedia was started inside Microsoft. Honestly, I think that Microsoft didn't quite understand what they had uh, and, you know, basically looked at Expedia like this kind of uh, travel agency that they didn't really want to run and so they spun it off. They didn't really understand how important, you know, very popular websites were. I mean, Expedia was probably the most initially popular thing that I ever worked on. We very quickly became one of the most popular e-commerce sites on the web uh, for travel. In the early days, there was only us in Travelocity and we were we quickly got to the point where we sold more tickets than them. Um, but it was a fun experience. I mean, it was back, we were honestly doing something pretty new. Um, before then, if you wanted to buy an airline ticket, you had to make a dozen phone calls to different airlines or pay a travel agent, and you were never sure whether or not you got the best price for an airline ticket. Um, that's one of the things I feel like, you know, in my work, you know, things really, I really did change the world a little bit uh, because, you know, how you buy airline tickets today is completely different from how you bought them uh, when I was growing up, and I was a big part of that change. Interesting. So you mentioned that Expedia was your last project, and you joined back up in Microsoft decades after you left. How did the environment of the company change? Um, yeah, that's, that's true. It was, um, I left Microsoft in the late 90s, I think it was 1997, and I ended up coming back uh, in almost, almost 20 years later. Uh, not quite. Uh, and in that time, obviously the, the company changed a lot. When I joined the company, as I said, it was about 7,000 employees. When I left the company, um, you know, about six, seven years later, it was already close to a hundred thousand. When I came back, you know, it's the worldwide behemoth that that people are aware of today. Um, in some ways, it was very different. I mean, not ten buildings. There's now over two hundred buildings on the east side alone. Um, you know, it's a much, much, much bigger company. Um, I think a lot. Some of the some of the Fun was gone a little bit too. I mean, in the early days, we were all, as I said, you know, everybody was young. We were all changing the world. It, you know, as the business got bigger and more established, um, you know, some of the rougher edges got sanded down. And, you know, I think it, it became more of a regular job as opposed to this thing that people did because they loved. And, you know, I think it also made a big, big difference that, uh, you know, the, the, frankly, the, the amount of money that people made changed rather dramatically. The early go-go days of, you know, the dot-com eras, um, a lot of people who were there in those earlier days 
um, made lots of money as companies, you know, got huge overnight and then blew up. Uh, but, you know, in the later, coming back, you know, in, in the late 2010s, you know, that's not the kind of environment it was anymore, certainly not at Microsoft. Uh, and I think it leads to a different thing when you're working for a salary versus when, you know, you're working because you think you might be a millionaire someday. I mean, it just draws a different type of person and it leads to a different kind of uh, work. Fascinating. Well, I'm Luke Gollum and this has been a, an exclusive interview um, on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge.